Welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. If you have the desire to be your own boss, create your own schedule, and become financially free while at the same time helping people in need, then you've come to the right place. At GroupHomeRiches.com, we teach people exactly like yourself how to get started in the group home business. And on this podcast, you're going to hear their stories firsthand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Group Home Riches podcast. On today's episode, we have another emerging rock star from our private group for Gold Course members. Uh, saw a post in there just recently, a couple weeks ago, by a gentleman named Todd. Saw that he posted a couple wins, shot him a quick comment. Hey, man, you got to come on the podcast and tell your story. And uh, luckily, he was generous enough to come on. Todd, welcome. Thank you for having me, Brandon. I appreciate it. Awesome. Before we get into kind of the details of the recent you know, moves and those wins, why don't you tell people just a brief introduction, let them know a little bit about yourself, background, and what were you doing before you stumbled upon Group Home Riches? Yep. So just to take it all the way back, Todd Reed from the Bronx, New York. I am currently living in Georgia, about 50 minutes out from Atlanta, but I actually like to invest remotely. So before I stumbled upon Group Home Riches, I too was a part of that whole Airbnb trend. So I was familiar with some of the aspects of the course, such as, you know, leasing a property and then, you know, doing business with it. But as you might now know, you know, Airbnb is oversaturated. So I saw the trend. I saw the the downward motion and movement in that market. So I was looking desperately for something else. And then I stumbled upon you guys. Yeah, I've I've kind of crunched the numbers like a, a couple cities in Texas mm-hmm. and was just look at like the nightly rates and then you look at the real estate for those places and I'm like, and how are these people making money? <laughs> and I guess yeah. uh it's probably not as lucrative as it once was. It sounds Yeah, like. not now. Not now. Uh you know, there there's a couple of data sites, websites like rabble.com and a couple of other ones that tell you some projections that you're going to make if you get a certain house within a certain area. And I just noticed it wasn't matching up with what it was telling me I was going to make. Although I was like the most booked person there, I was still making like $2,000 less. So that's a very bad sign. Another red flag, in my opinion, is the moment that there's a million YouTubers making videos on how to do exactly what you're doing. Pretty soon it's going to be oversaturated. So I had to get out of there. Yep. <laughs> Had you done rentals, like the traditional rental model before that? I have. In fact, I did it all with my first house here. The first house I have that I'm using here for Group Home Riches has gotten me success. I first started with the Airbnb, and then it just was a headache and a nightmare in itself. And the Group Home Riches model, it comes with its, its issues as well, but it's worth it because of the bottom line that you make at the end of the month. Whereas with the daily turnover, the cleaning, people breaking stuff or Airbnb, it just wasn't worth it at all. So I tried the Airbnb uh, model at first. And then after that, I tried the traditional one and I was like barely making anything at all. And then voila, ran across you guys, ran into a gentleman named Brandon on YouTube and here we are. Excellent. (laughs) Even prior to that, what were you doing before real estate and what made you want to look into real estate? Before doing the real estate, I work for a company that services compliance professionals. I work in a SaaS company, which is tech. So I like my job. I like my company. But, you know, I just felt like every person needs another side hustle. And the overall goal is to kind of get out of the the everyday nine to five. And I've been looking for that for like almost all my life. I think I was thinking about retirement in like seven years old, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So... Like, dang, man, all this just about some fruit free pebbles. But it's one year of school before you started to draft up your retirement plan. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's all it took. So, yeah. yeah, you know, before that, I was working my nine to five. I work at a, a tech company. And even then, I was looking for stuff. I, I did everything, literally everything you can name, any hustle that you see on YouTube. I did, I did Amazon, um, I did eBay, I did solar door to door knocking for a very long time. I was an SDR. I was calling people, doing cold calls. So I've been around the world twice and I landed here and I think I'm probably going to stay here. Excellent. Love to hear it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you kind of always had that drive, I guess. But was there any like 
aha moment, like a book or any specific thing that happened that really kicked things into gear? Or were you just kind of always driven to be financially free? I think I was always driven. In fact, when I was younger, it's, it's very funny now, but I would give myself a time of how long it would take me to get rich when I was like a teenager. And if I didn't make that time, I would like, like be very hard on myself. So when I was like 16, I'd be like, I give myself exactly 630 days, just some really random number to get rich. And then I wouldn't make it, obviously, because I'm 32 now. And then I'd be like, all right, now you have to like take away one of your pleasures. Like you can't go watch, you can't watch basketball today or you can't play basketball today at that time. Not, not anymore. I can't play basketball. My niece, my niece will probably give out on me. But, you know, I've always been driven to just get out of the nine to five. I wanted more out of life. Just how I, I was designed. I think a lot of people coming from the Bronx are designed that way, not because they want to be that way, but because our environment kind of sets us up to have to be that way. Yeah. I was just in New York City again recently within the past couple of weeks, and it, it, it's completely different than Texas. Like, definitely more of a like a hustler culture like everywhere you go there's food trucks there's like the vendors it's cool in a way so all right very cool so got into so you did like you said every hustle under the sun for the most part were you doing solar while you have the nine to five or was that just one of the things you were doing at at one point just one of the things I was doing, it's funny because I used to work in Goldman Sachs. So that was my first job out of college, which a lot of people would like die for. But like for me, it was just like I dreaded going there. I was work, I was coming from the Bronx, traveling to Jersey City, New Jersey, going to Goldman Sachs every day. And I hated it. I did. In fact, I told my manager at the time I hated it. I was like, Yeah, this is too much work for me. He was like, What? <laughs> you know, he's comparing me to like day traders and stuff like that. So one of my friends who has had much success in the solar industry actually on my lunch break came to me and was like, yo, bro, leave this nine to five, come with me. Went with, I actually quit my job like that very next week, went with him with solar. And we kind of pounded the pavement, knocked doors, uh, closed on deals for about a year, maybe a year and a half. But that office actually wound up closing. So it was, I think, to be honest with you, that's probably one of the most pivotal parts of my life, that whole solar part of my life, because it taught me so much how to face rejection, how to pivot around certain people, how to deal with individuals, and when a business fails, how to bounce back. So yeah, this solar. I love it. And you see it in the group, I'm sure, right? Like how people are just kind of, you could tell they're kind of hesitant to do the actual first step that we recommend, which is mm-hmm. just picking up the phone and calling social service organizations, nonprofits, stuff like that. I'll talk to people that they've been following us for years and they haven't done that yet. <laughs> and, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, and deep down, you, you, you know what the reason is, right? Why they're well, not doing it? I don't know, but I could take a guess. Yeah, I, would guess. Say, I would say the thought of failure is or rejection is so frowned upon that people don't find any reason not to just go out and do it. Bingo. And it's something that, I mean, it becomes less, but you never really get over it. Like even think back to like solar. It's like every time you go to knock up to that door, you're like, there's a little party that's like, man, I hope this person doesn't like swear at me and close the door. <laughs> yeah. I got over that quick though, man. In fact, yeah. I think you like it makes it so much sweeter. Like the Niles makes the yes, the nose makes the yeses that much better. Like yeah. I remember the person, yes, I got, which was in Staten Island. While my wife was, my now wife, but then girlfriend before we had kids was in the car and we needed to get some type of money to pay our rent. And I was literally out on Staten Island from like 8 a.m. to like 9 p.m. And I just randomly closed on some lady's house. I'll never forget it. And before that, yes, I was very discouraged. I heard a bunch of no's that day, a bunch of get the hell out of here. Who are you? Are you trying to rob me? And then when I got to this one lady's house and I got that yes, you know, I felt like, Everything before that didn't matter. So I think that analogy holds true to this industry as well. You hear a bunch of, oh, I don't have anything for you at this time. We can't help you, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to share a room. But once you get that house filled, that very first house filled is like, yeah, I'm a beast. I can do this. Nobody can Mm -hmm. stop me. (laughs) Absolutely. I think everybody out there, even just for character development, at least like one or two days, just go do some cold calling or door knocking and it'll make every other job after that so much easier and the lessons that you learn from it. Plus in this, in this business, I mean, 
you're not really going to get like yelled at or swore at or anything like that, but right. door knocking, you will <laughs> or cold calling. <laughs> yeah. And once that happens, you're like, Oh, that wasn't even that bad. <laughs> right. Right. I told one of my closest friends, I told him that everything I've ever gotten has come from a cold call. Literally. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Literally. If you think about it, everything, right. Like, yeah, everything, literally the people, the organizations I've connected with the houses that I got, the wait list that I have right now is from that as well. The future businesses that I'm trying to find a way how I can be their number one resource right now that's like itching to do business with me has come from that. It's like, you name it, it's come from me just literally like not following everyone else does and just saying, I'm going to pick up the call. I feel like people do anything to not do it. They'll add you on LinkedIn, they'll send you an email, but they refuse to pick up the phone, call you. I'll travel place. I, I didn't travel from here to different states just to meet with somebody literally for like 20 minutes and Same. then I'll get back on a flight. Like no problem. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So people out there listening when we probably the number one question we get after they like figure out the basics is, Hey, like, how do I get started? And that's, it's literally it. Follow the keyword guide, look up the organizations in your area and you literally just have to pick up the phone, smile and dial. Um, yeah. And there's so many people They'll come to us, they have their website, they have their business cards, they've done flyers, they've gone through every single module in the gold course. And we're like, all right, cool. You know, how many contacts do you have and how many meetings have you had? Or like, oh, I haven't started doing that yet. <laughs> it's like, we told you to do that first. <laughs> but it's yeah. Totally, yeah, it's totally, it's just the fear of rejection and not everybody has had the advantage of doing those types of hustles. So very cool. So you kind of got a thick skin from doing all that, got into yeah. real estate. How long were you studying real estate before you pulled the trigger and got your first deal? For a while, because the group of friends I have, I think from a very early age, I'm still friends with the people I went to high school with in ninth grade. In fact, a few of them are the godfather to my daughters. Nice. And yeah, so from a young age, we had group chats and that will just be sending in links about things we see from different influencers and whatnot. So I was studying for a long time. I was sitting on my hands and not so much because I was scared, but because I was broke. I was young. But as I started saving up money, as I started learning the, the importance of credit, stuff like that, from like people like Noble Credit Poll, I started saying, hey, I can do this. I can figure out a way. And then once I ran across the Airbnb stuff, I just pulled the trigger. I just called somebody and said, I'll figure it out later. Got it. And then it didn't work. But again, I'm here on Groupon Riches. So it, it, it worked out smooth for me in the end. Yeah. And everything's like that, right? Even, mm -hmm. you know, think basketball, any job that anybody has had, it's not like just learn everything and it goes super smooth. <laughs> it's yeah. like a gradual kind of up and down, hopefully continuously upward climb. Yeah. With the Airbnb, was that a home that you purchased or did you do the deal where you have to talk to like a homeowner and lease it or partner with them? Yeah, I talked to somebody and I leased it through that individual and we had a one year lease. So that happened in 2021. Got the house, leased it. It was a $3,000 house, seven bedrooms, and I was paying $3,000 and every single month I was coming up short every single month. And my wife was not happy about it at all because we have a mortgage here as well and other expenses. But yeah, I see a lot of people in the group say like, oh, you know, where do I find these landlords? It's really just a, a numbers game, just casting a wide net. Like I literally would copy and paste a very simple message. Hi, do you accept corporate leases? And I would literally send it out to like two, 300 people a day on Zillow, on Trulia, on any site that offers leasing. And the moment somebody says, yes, I'm going for it. I love it. We had a gentleman in the private group yesterday who all he did was set up three showings. His third one, boom, locked the deal. Nice. So yeah, a lot of people out there, they do, I think it's the whole rejection thing. You got to go through a ton of no's to get a yes, but sometimes it's not too many no's. You know, just don't get discouraged. Like if you speak with one landlord and they don't want to do it or they don't really understand it, that doesn't mean that, you know, no landlord's going to work with you. I mean, just to add on to that really quick, it's also like people are even it's how you speak to them. Like, for instance, with the landlord that I work with now, I work with, I work with two landlords right now. The first and I'm, the third house I'm about to get is through that first landlord. And 
he didn't care too much about what I was doing with it. I just, he just needed to know that I was going to be the traditional renter. And what I kind of did was I kind of put him in a place where I offered him, I have a contract with, with the city and the city, what they do is they provide you with funds to kind of make, to fix up any holes in the wall, to replace old appliances, stuff like that. So I'm reading through the contract that I got with the city. And what I would do is I would kind of take the bullet points that kind of wowed me and amazed me and send them right over to him. And I would say, hey, look, if you allow me to rent this place for two years and give me one month free of rent and give me half of the security deposit, what I will do for you is I'm going to replace all of your old appliances. I'm going to fix the walls up to $5,000. And I'm going to ensure that you're paid every month without a problem. And I, I stated it in a way where if he said no and he went to sleep that night, he would have felt like a complete moron for saying no. Mm-hmm. Right. So if he came back to me and said no, I'd be like, oh, man, that's crazy. You're the first person who said no. And I've just been like, all right, have a good life. So it's also about how you kind of present the information as well. But I just can't stress enough that, like, you just have to go out there, ask a bunch of people, and then eventually you'll get more and more comfortable speaking to these landlords to where you'll feel like, they want to work for you or partner with you as opposed to the other way around. Absolutely. Yeah. That's another big lesson in that story. And that's kind of a basic in sales, at least like higher level, like actual professional sales. You're not approaching the prospect with what you want out of it. You approach it as what they're going to get out of it. Like the value that they're going to get with it. And the cool thing about this business is that if you can actually get a landlord to sit there and kind of, start asking you questions and like, be curious about it. By the end of that, if you know the basics of the business on your own, you actually have some contacts and you built some confidence to where you can actually pitch this professionally and confident. I mean, my like belief is that they would be foolish to not want to work with you guys if you've done all of that. So that comes across. (laughs) So um, I agree. I agree. I think a big one also is when you're asking this before you end the question with them, you say, and how many other properties you have? Because I'm looking to get three pro- a property every three months. Exactly. Um, we're, this is a capitalist country, right? We're driven by money because money makes life better. I don't care what no one says. Um, so it's like just kind of planning to see that you're not just looking to get this one house, but you're looking to be a long-term partner and investor. What they're going to start doing is calculating, hmm, if I get five houses, and I give it to this guy and I overcharge him $200 on the, the, the rent when, we're, when compared to the fair market value, then I can probably get a yacht in three years. They're doing the same thing you're doing, right? So again, the overall reason why we're in this business is to one, help people out, but also to provide for you and your family. So the same thing goes for the landlord you're speaking to. You just have to speak to their pain points, kind of like what you're saying now, Brandon, like figure out what they want, what they need and how you can help fulfill that need. And we've kind of touched on it in the beginning of the interview. If it's a landlord doing the traditional, you know, landlord model, they have a whole bunch of pain points that you guys can solve. (laughs) So, all right, so let's rewind a little bit. And I want to come back to this, but just to kind of lay the foundation. So you were doing Airbnb, that wasn't working out. That was like 2021-ish. And then you were, I'm guessing you were just on the internet looking up how to cash flow more, something to do with real estate, but to get more cash flow, I'm guessing. But how did you come? How did you find us? And when was that? Yeah. So I was doing a, a search for how to just make more money. Like I feel like I, I'm always doing at least three times a year. And then what happened was I stumbled upon a young lady by the name of Rosebud Investments and Noble Credit Pool. And my credit was shot. So Noble Credit Pool helped me get my credit right. And then Rosebud Investments, she's just a boss all around. And then what ended up happening is she had like a two hour video on something com- completely separate. And she at one point mentioned how she, something about the group home business, but it was for like seven seconds. I stopped that video immediately because she started mentioning how she would convert like old hotels and stuff like that to do it. But she brushed over it in such a bowler fashion. Like, yeah, I used to do this and make this amount of money. But anyway, back to the main point. And I just paused it, X that out and literally started putting in like, transition homes and stuff like that, eventually coming upon group home riches. And then I kind of saw that video you have where you're literally doing a cold call yourself, Brandon, to a lady. And I'm like, this can be done. It might not be easy, but I think it's very simple, especially compared to like the other 
businesses I've been involved in, cold calling, uh, door knocking. I'm like, I can do this. So that's how I got here. And then once I signed up for the course, which I'm usually, I never do. I'm a frugal guy, but I'm like, it's only 200 bucks. And after I'm seeing the stuff in the, the course, I'm like, nah, this is it right here. And then eventually I got added to the Facebook group and I'm like, yeah, this is really it right here. So, yep. Love it. You just knew it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of get a sense of like, I can quickly get a sense of if I wasted my money or not. And I, I know for a fact I didn't waste my money once I started looking at like all the documents and the contracts and the how to's and stuff like that. I think some people get information and can only go as far as the information is. I think with the information that was given to me from the group home riches course itself, you know, once I had, I always have extra questions. So I would start reading your guys stuff and then just start Googling away, even though it wasn't required or necessary. But yeah, I, I knew right away that like, I was going to like kill this business because I feel like I'm going to be as successful as I go as, as hard as I work for it. And with the information that was given to me, I'm like, yeah, it is no way that I'm going to fail with this business. So that mindset to have, yeah, I guess it's a, it's a good and bad thing sometimes, sometimes to be too full of yourself. But I guess for me, it's working out because, you know, I feel like I know how motivated I am and the motive, things that motivate me, such as my family and stuff like that. So with that, coupled with the knowledge that I received from the Group Home Riches course, it, it, I was destined to, to succeed in it. So I think it, blind confidence, definitely not good. But the fact that you had you had dabbled in real estate, even You'll see a common theme in the interviews. It, you don't even have to be necessarily successful in real estate, but we have a lot of people that were, have tried doing rentals and Airbnb and stuff like that. Just the fact that they tried that and got up and running, that always lets me know like, all right, if they put their mind to this, they're going to be successful with it because you had touched on a great point with the Airbnb business. There's like a million people doing it on YouTube, right? It's completely saturated. But yeah. then if you look into this business, there's such a big need for affordable housing and shared housing and things like that. And there's very little people doing it. You know, that's very there's, true. And I tell my friends that all the time because I try to convince them sometimes to get into it. And when I'm speaking to the heads of these organizations, which one, another great sign is depending on the population you're serving, if you can get on the phone with the head of the company that's going to be sending you referrals with by simply sending out an email or a cold call, then that's probably the business you should be in, right? Like literally I'll send a blast on Friday and by Monday they're like, Hey, yeah, let's get on the phone and just get this thing lined up. And when I'm talking to them, they're like, Hey, you know, there's really no resources in the city for any type of housing. And that kind of goes to the statement you made moments ago, Brandon, that there's not a lot of people doing this. And I think the time is right now to kind of get on the bandwagon before in 2026, there's like a million people doing it. So very good point. Just my thoughts. Yep. And do you get that overall impression when you're speaking with the heads of the organizations at, uh, do they, is the overall kind of attitude from them like relief? Are they happy to speak with you? Does it seem like you have a lot of competition? What's that like? Nah, I don't really think there's a lot of competition. And also, they're like a kid in a candy store when I kind of mentioned to them that, like, I get my houses in a very fast manner and I'm going to fully furnish the property and pay for utilities and stuff like that. And then the houses I get, like, I don't know about everybody else, but me, I often boast to organizations that the house I have looks better than the house I live in. <laughs> the reason why that's so important is because you'll hear some of the horror stories from the tenants that you get eventually. So like, I literally have a couple of people who tell me like how other people would like steal their food stamp cards and kind of go crazy with it. Or they will be living in conditions where there's no hot water or they'll be living in conditions where they provide them with like a bed sheet, no comforter, but yet outside is like 20 degrees. So yeah, no competition at all. And they're very happy to work with me. Love it. All right. I kind of want to, I kind of want to, circle back to like just the property acquisition stuff that we were talking about. So break down the first property. Was that one of the rentals? Was that something that you worked with another landlord with? Or what was that like? So the first property was the very, the Airbnb that I used to have, but it was, I got it through the same method that you guys are pitching is I basically reached out to him October of 2021 and said, Hey, look, I want to get this house under a, a corporate lease under my corporation. 
aka you know they're running credit on my company not on myself first he wasn't with it at first but eventually he came around but then october 2022 came around not too long ago and the lease was up and i asked him the same thing basically this time i asked for a two-year lease and that's how I got that one. He eventually said yes, because, you know, I pitched him all the, the, the good stuff. You know, I got a million dollar insurance policy. I'll update your appliances. I'll fix your holes in the wall. You'll never have to come and do garbage because, you know, I got it from a property manager. He is a property manager. Okay. Um, that's even tougher because then he has to take what you say and kind of bring it back to the owner. So yeah, he, he definitely did. But I got first one with him, and then I got another one in June 14th. So June 14th, I got another property. This one was through a regular landlord. I did the exact same thing. I tried to ask for a free month's rent, but it, it didn't happen, but it's okay. And from June 14th, it took me to July 10th to have it filled. So now I have a wait list of five people. So looking for my third house. Love it. Working with the property manager and the current landlord, what were, did they have any, like, objections or questions or what were some of the stuff that kind of they asked you that you had to overcome? I'm a big believer in telling people things on a need to know basis. So I definitely let them know that, hey, you know, I'm going to be servicing populations such as veterans, reentry, stuff like that. And oftentimes when you kind of lead with like veterans and stuff like that, let them know that like, like, for instance, I'm an approved vendor of the city. So kind of just showing them like your authority in the space. They don't ask too many questions, but like when you kind of go to them groveling and saying, hey, can you please let me house 12 individuals that you never met before in your your house? That's when it's like, okay, they're going to ask questions because they're suspicious of you, right? Like when you work in in retail, right? Let's say you work in Best Buy and you tell somebody, hey, you can get this television and this cord that's sold separately is perfect for it is going to make sure that the visual is exemplary. And let's say if they trust you as a salesperson, they're just going to say, you know what? I believe you. That's fine. I'm going to take it because you're an expert and go about your business. If they don't buy into you, what's going to wind up happening is they're going to question you about everything under the sun, from the specs of the cord to how long the TV is going to last and things like that. So I think the first thing that needs to happen for any person who's trying to like pitch to um, to landlords is that they're going to have to work on themselves, like how they present themselves, how their confidence comes off, the words and the jargon they're using. Sometimes I see in the Facebook group, people are saying like, hey, yeah, I wrote somebody and told them that, hey, I'm going to be putting 12 people in your house and this is what I do with group homes and stuff like that. Now, if I'm an owner of a property and I hear the word group home, I'm okay. Because I have a 30-year mortgage on this. But if somebody comes to me and says, hey, how's it going? I'm an affordable housing provider. I would love to get one or up to five of your properties and maybe put some veterans in here. Then that's probably where the conversation is going to stop. There's going to be no other questions. Yeah. And one way to build up confidence and, and competence is through accomplishments. That's why we recommend, hey, do the marketing first. like Or networking. You had a contract with the city that's a huge selling point, right? Me as a landlord, I'm like, all right, this guy's sharp. I'm going to hear him out. Or if you say, hey, listen, I have an MOU with this nonprofit. They work with veterans. I plan on opening five properties over the next year. This is a way to 10x the typical cash flow of a property, have way more control over it. I'm going to be doing all the maintenance, yada, yada, yada. Would you be interested in the opportunity? These little the kind of elevator pitches that you heard me say and Todd say, they sound a lot better than, like you said, the grovelly, like, hi, I want to be a group homeowner, but I need a property. Would you let me use your property? <laughs> like, you're just going to get hung up on, right? Yeah, so yeah. on that, you mentioned the contract with the city. Kind of go into a little bit of details of that. Yeah, it actually came from a link that you posted, Brandon. You posted a link to different, like, Reentry population, uh, reentry links for every state. And I literally just went to click on a random state and said, hey, this is not too far from where I live. It's about an hour flight away, probably less. And I just literally sent one email. And from there, they was like, oh my God, thank you so much. We've been looking for people to provide houses. And it was to the point where I'm like, this is too easy, right? <laughs> literally. And then she connected me to like five people who, you know, operate in the state. And 
I couldn't do business with the other two because they required a lot. Like they needed like a on-call, a nurse at there at all times and then somebody working around the clock. But three out of the five, I was able to do business with. So literally they kind of were like so hungry to have a person as a resource for housing in this space that they literally threw that contract at me like so quickly. And now it did take time to go through. It took like three months, but, and that, to me, that's a long time, near minute, I'm, I'm impatient. Um, yeah. <laughs> but for other people, three months is like, yeah, that's no problem. That's, that's right there. So it took three months for the contract to go through. Once the contract went through, the uh, the, the city paid for the furniture up to $10,000. I got a $149,000 reward from them. So anything that, that wow. happens to the property, they fix for me. Yeah. Anything that happens to the property, they fix for me. They provided me with 10000 I'm lying. I think it was $20,000 in furniture, but I only used $10,000. And then they sent me people every single month. They would send me people and I'll put two people to a room. Two out of three rooms in my first house has three people in it. And each bed was going for $600. So that first house, once it's full, would bring me $4,000 net, $9,000 in total revenue, $4,000 net. Home run deal. Tell them about it. Let's talk about it. And I don't even remember the link that you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you afterwards, but like, yeah. it was perfect for me because I was trying to figure out what was the population I was going to serve, which is probably to me the hardest thing because to me, when you're presented with too many options, it's really hard to kind of pick one because you'll pick one and be like, maybe I should have went with veterans or you'll pick veterans. But maybe I should have went with women with children, single women with children. What we recommend is just find the opportunities first, which is exactly what you did. Yeah. So you took one of the links that we sent out, which we do our research. It's the same keywords that are in the gold course. If you guys just like kind of dig in and go down the rabbit holes, you'll, you'll eventually find these organizations and programs and stuff like that. And we always recommend just kind of reaching out to as many as you can just to kind of feel them out and see get information on the programs, uh, build some rapport. You know, there's a lot of like back and forth that you probably had to do before you really got into the meat and potatoes of the program. Right. And then when you did, it was like, oh, wow, (laughs) you start running the numbers. I mean, you folks heard you folks heard the numbers right there. And that was the net. Right. So compare that to like, how much would you get on that property if you were doing like just the traditional rental model? Like $300, literally maybe $400. And yeah, like 400 bucks. And then as you guys stated at one point, like some, so it was, it's a a two level house on the bottom. I had somebody living there and on top I had a family living there. And for somehow, some way, this very poisonous rat got into the bottom. I'm thinking it's just a regular rat at first. And so was she. So I'm like, God, all right, whatever. I'm going to call the exterminator. It's going to cost you like 150 bucks. Well, when the exterminator went there, he found out it was deer mice. And deer mice are poisonous. So you have to do like a full spray and clean to the point where they're coming into your house with like those yellow suits on. Mm. And that cost me like $800 that one month. So I told you initially, like I'll profit like $350 to $400 per month. Well, newsflash, I'm down, I'm negative $400 now in that month. So it's so easy if you're using, if you're going the traditional real estate rent away, buy and hold way to lose money, right? One water issue, you're out. But with this, right? Somebody leaves, all right, cool. I'm trying to get $600 a bed. If someone leaves, instead of making $4,000, I make $3,400. All right, if I have a plumbing issue, that's a $1,000 expense. Well, guess what? I still made $3,000 instead of the $4,000. So every different business model when it comes to real estate has its problems, but I just think this is the one that's worth it, right? Because anything that's thrown at me, I can afford after I got my business up and running. Yeah. I mean, if you, cash solves a lot of problems yeah. <laughs> and you're 10X in the cash flow, just those two like very specific real life examples that you just brought up, that could wipe out on landlord's profit for the whole year. Yeah, very true. And people get this. I don't know why renters have this notion. And that's not me like looking down on renters that I literally only have my house for like two and a half years now. But renters have this notion that their landlord is these big, rich guys who's like eating like 
New York strip steak and lobster, right? And toasting champagne glasses and laughing yeah. at the poor. That's yep. not true. They're working nine to fives just like the rest of us. And they're barely making it by with that. And then on their side hustles, that costs a lot of money to get into, might I add, right? 20% down. If it's the FHA is lower, but but yeah, 20% down, they're doing investment houses. Costs them a lot of money out of pocket. And then they're slowly getting their money back. But then one small problem, exactly you said, their whole profit in that is wiped out for the next two months. So yeah, I just think that like that wasn't for me. At that time, only probably go back to the traditional real estate model if it ever made sense down the line, if I wanted to diversify my portfolio. But this is going to be my meat and potatoes for sure. Yeah, you need, in my opinion, I think you need a cash vehicle before you start thinking about like long-term investments, in my opinion. So to me, that's something like sales, wholesaling houses, or something like this, right? Like that property is netting 4,000, which is a little above average, but you know. It would be higher too. It would be 4,800 if I have an operations manager and I use house managers. So it would be higher. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's 4,000 after I pay them off too. So that's huge. <laughs> that's a huge difference. So you already got the supervisors and the operational managers in place. So on average, how much time would you spend? Would you say that you spend in managing this property? So I would say not too much time. It's really a, a text and a call here and there. It's not fully automated the way I want it to be, but I just made some tweaks um, not too long ago, actually yesterday, that's going to ensure it is. So I would probably say if, you, if I had to give you hours, I would say like five hours a, a month, maybe more because I send a lot of emails. I'm just kind of obsessed with with everything. Even though I'm paying people to automate it, I just like to have my hands in my own business. I feel like I have to be involved in my success. That's just who I am as a person. But realistically speaking, I'll say five hours, maybe 10 the most. Yeah. And that's counting like, you know, the marketing that you're doing and the um, tr- you're trying to scale the business. It's not like it, things are stabilized yet. Yeah, exactly. So I started trying to scale the business before I made my first dollar. Um, and my wife hates it, but that's just who I am. So I'm the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. She's like, why are you hiring people? And you're not, I'm like, listen, it makes no sense now. But we're on house number five, which will come very soon. And you're mad because I'm taking 30 calls during our anniversary dinner. Don't say I didn't warn you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I got the house managers in the house. And what they do is they take care of trash. They take care of cleaning. They take care of making sure there's no alcohol or drugs on the premises. They reach out to my operations manager and my operation manager only reaches out to me when it's something like money related or something like they can't make the call on. But it doesn't happen often, to be honest with you. That's great, man. That's unreal that you've done that after just the first property. Kudos. I'm the same way whenever I'm getting into businesses, though. Once I learn how to do it, I'm hopping on Upwork and uh, looking to scale that thing. Yeah. Break down the uh, just kind of like the personality like profile of when for, you know, say people are brand new out there, break down what you mean. What's a house manager? What are they like? Let them know a little bit about compensation and then the operational manager as well. So compensation for a house manager is really just free rent, right? Besides taxes, the the most expensive thing we have in life is going to be our rent, right? We're going to pay that every month without end really until you get a house or, or if you go homeless, but I make sure that the house managers have no rent at all. So they have a room to themselves. They don't pay a monthly fee to me. And their personality, man, they just have to be over communicators. They have to be individuals who I can kind of trust to be like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, tattletales, right? I always say this to them. I say, hey, I don't expect you to be Superman. If somebody comes in here with a, a, a bottle of Hennessy, I don't want you to go over to him and punch him in the face. But I do want you to document what's going on text over the operations manager. I need you to over communicate. I need somebody who's neat, right? Somebody who, when they know there's two dishes or two forks in the sink, they feel like their head's about to explode because I want my house to be clean, right? Because this is not my property. I'm leasing it for somebody else. So there's any issues with the property when my lease is up, then they're either not going to renew or I'm going to have to come out of my pocket a lot of money. In terms of my operations manager, I just need somebody who is organized, somebody who has common sense. I think that's something that's very underrated, common sense. And the person I happen to hire, that's one of the things that kind of attracted me to her in a business sense. 
like when I send over problems, she discusses, she sends over solutions, right? I don't tell her, hey, the water's out. And she's like, oh no, the water's out. I tell her the water's out. And she's like, oh, well, we can go to this person. I know this person who works in, in that company. This is the number. I'm going to call it for you. In terms of compensation, I pay her $800 a house. And I kind of sold her on the idea that you'll grow as I grow. So uh, that's another thing. A lot of times people only think of the now, whereas I like to think in future terms. So for that first house, she was making $800, doing a lot more than she needed. I'll pay her $200 per week every single Monday, and it will be deposited in her account on Friday. But then I got the second house, and now she's making another $800 per month. Um, so she's making $1,600 now. And then when that third house comes up in September, she'll be making $24. And she basically has to stay in charge of all the house managers. She has to reach out to, she takes all client house manager and tenant calls that come to her. And she also calls any vendors in the case of an emergency, like maybe a locksmith or a plumber or something like that. It's just all the day-to-day activities, right? Everything I don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and it's it's different personality types. Some people really enjoy like working the day-to-day stuff. They like to be hands-on with the tenants. If you're really trying to scale this business to get to that point where you got like a 10 to 20 property operation, you definitely need to have the mindset like Todd, you know, you need to think more as a business person um, and real estate investor and not so much a group home operator. Mm -hmm. And you probably found some, was that one of the qualities that you looked for in the operational manager or did you just kind of like her organization skills and things like that? So, yeah, um, she used to be my cleaner for my Airbnb. Okay. So I went through a million Airbnb cleaners, like a million of them. Sometimes people would do nonsensical stuff like leaving garbage in trash um, and and leaving garbage in closets or just stupid stuff. And But with her, I never had a problem. Like literally there was months I would go without even thinking about the house. Literally, right? And I had everything automated. So after somebody leaves the house, she'll get um, a notification and then she'll go and clean and then she'll report to me what's been broken. And then she'll tell me she has a friend named Bob around the corner who sells tables. She can probably talk them down for half the price and get in there before the next person comes in. So things like that, right? She likes, he's a neat freak. She was organized. She had a solution to every everything. She was very resourceful. She knew a lot of people around the area. And she had a car, so she could just drive to the house if she needed. So she kind of checked all the boxes. So I would 100% recommend getting someone who has common sense, someone who could put boots to the ground, because I literally invest like two states away from me, and someone who just knows how to get things done. So everyday activities that I don't, you don't want to do. Yep. That's definitely a key when you're scaling uh, any business, right? You have your one of your systems but then two are the good people, which are very rare. But when you can find them, you definitely have to uh, reward them with more work, more responsibility. So that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And again, like we were talking about, cash solves a lot of problems, right? If that was just a rental property, there's no way you could think about outsourcing that management if you wanted a cash flow. But right, right. with this, if she gets to the point where it's 10 properties, that's probably the point where it starts to feel like a full-time job for her, mm-hmm. but she's making 8K per month. Exactly. So, you know, I was happy that she trusted me enough to kind of make that move with me. Cause I know at one point she's probably like, man, I'm doing more than I'm getting paid for. But uh, she saw the vision. She sees that I'm trying to get 10 houses in, in that state. And then eventually maybe 20 in total. And she'll be getting paid that same rate for all of those. So she'll definitely make more money managing my properties than she would have ever made at her nine to five. And it probably a lot less work, just a lot less work, but definitely a job in itself. Nice. So yeah, let's talk about like the future the, the and the plan. You So you got two properties now. Do you have the third lined up or you're you're looking for that as we speak? Third lined up right now. It's coming in September. Unfortunately, it's a four bedroom house. I like to do more rooms, right? Because, you know, my first house was a seven bedroom house. The second was a six bedroom house. I'm a little spoiled now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the third one's going to be a four bedroom house coming up in September. And 
I'm looking for my fourth one now. Don't tell my wife because she'll be mad. I promise you. <laughs> but I am looking for a fourth one now as well. So the third one's already locked in, locked in, ready to go. It's already furnished as well. That was one of my conditions. I told him, I'll take a, another one with you, but you have to furnish it for me. And he said, okay. So. Oh, cool. So that was my next question. So the the third one is with one of the owners that you've already been working with. Mm-hmm. What the, 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 the owner, well, it was the property manager, but now this is his house. He doesn't know. I know that, but I know that. Uh, <laughs> whatever. If he wins, I win. I'm okay with it. Some people get really caught up on, Hey, I don't want him to think he's getting one over me. I don't care because I have, I'm benefiting from it. So he owns his house. He getting it furnished. He said by September 1st, he'll be ready. And I'm already, t- I already have five people waiting to go in that house now. Beautiful. On the fourth property, what's the plan for acquisition? Are you getting into, are you planning on purchasing these things on your own eventually? Or, or do you like the the kind of partnering and with the landlord model? I like the partner with the landlord model for now, but eventually I do want to look into kind of acquiring, buying my own properties. So I would say after I get to like number five, I'm going to actually sit down, relax, sit on my hands as much as it hurts and wait till all the, like kind of save up like one or two months of the profit I make and just get something big, honestly. Right. It's going to same work, just probably more expensive, but I do want to start buying like fourplexes and triplexes and stuff like that. Um, So that's probably next and that's probably not going to come to 2024, but it will come. That's kind of the path that you guys can think about with this. That's what Andy's doing at, at this point. So he's converting hotels and he's apartment complexes and things like that. So he can typically it's not shared living. But while you're doing your marketing with these places, you'll see there's a huge need for families with vouchers, Section oh, Eight, like HUD Vash. There's a whole lot of like related programs that you guys can get into and oh, that's yeah. something you could do when you're building rapport with these organizations let them know hey right now 2023 i'm just focusing on the shared living model but after i get a couple of those i plan on getting into multifamily. something they're just gonna love to hear <laughs> yeah and also man you gotta connect me with andy i said it on an interview so now it has to happen absolutely yeah, we got to come. We'll do a part we'll, for a part two. We'll definitely uh, we'll get Andy on on here, um, mm-hmm. pick his brain about real estate investing and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll um, since you are getting into like the home acquisition side of things, I can send you a couple of the tools that we're using to find some off market properties. Something Ooh. something to think about. Oh, nice. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's the typical path that I see a lot of people take. And it all depends on your resources, right? But they start out maybe partnering with a landlord or leasing with one. They grow that relationship. They build their cash flow up. They start to stack. And then eventually you're going to, you were researching this stuff ahead of time. But eventually, I think you should start thinking like a real estate investor, in my opinion. Yeah, it's funny. I told, I was talking to my friend, I was telling him like, this is great for right now, but at the end of the two years, right, there's nothing, I can't control the people that I have a lease with from saying they don't want to renew. Yep. So I kind of want to take things into my own hand, make sure I own things so that the only person who can stop this business is none other than I. So, yeah. And there's also just the, there are some advantages to real estate investing, right? If you can find the property at a good deal, fix it up. You're going to have a ton of equity in that property if you do that right. And you'll have more cash flow as well. Because if you think about it, the landlords are making whatever they make on the back end. So you're cash flowing like crazy now. And they are too. You're probably making way more than they are, but it's still, you probably make a couple hundred bucks more to the bottom line, as well as all those other advantages to home ownership. So, yeah. And if, you, if a person doesn't believe that, they can just go to PropStream. And literally see what the purchase mortgage is. Like, for instance, I know for a fact the house I'm about to get in September, the mortgage is like $1,200, but I'm going to be paying $26. It is what it is. So you're right. So that, that extra $1,300 can go right into my pocket. My extra $1,300, $1,400 can go right in my pocket. Yeah, that's just <laughs> that's just motivation right there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, very cool, man. Excellent story. And we definitely have to come back to do the part two. 
I think within like six to 12 months, I think this story is going to be even better. Uh, hopefully, and I, hopefully, I know it is. So, you know, I'll see you in six to 12 months. Excellent. So any final words for the folks out there? And then uh, after that, let them know where they can find you. I guess the final words, final thoughts that I would kind of give to everyone out there is just do it and learn along the way because you don't want to sit on your hands. You don't want to kind of contemplate and have a plan that lives only in your head for the next two years of your life. And then once this opportunity kind of passes by, you're always going to be that person who is saying, man, I should have done this. Right. And trust me, if you guys follow me on any social media platform, I'm going to let it be known that I'm doing good in business. So, you know, it's going to be a constant reminder that you didn't take the initiative. And I guess where you guys can find me, my website is transitionhomeheroes.com, spelled exactly how everything sounds. We do have an Instagram page, but it's literally Transition Home Heroes, but it's not anything crazy, but it will be eventually once I start showing you guys my million foot yacht. So, <laughs> but you guys can follow me there. But yeah, reach out to me because I'm constantly in the Facebook group all the time. So please feel free to reach out to me. Don't be shy. I'll provide as much answers as I can. I'm still learning along the way. So, you know, maybe we can learn from each other. Yeah. And at the time of recording, we're moving over from the Facebook group to another platform. So I'll send you that as well as like the tools and stuff out there. Gotcha. Um, but man, awesome story. And it's uh, having some huge home runs already. And uh, might not feel like it, but this is just the beginning, man. You're just getting started. So I can't wait to hear how this uh, how this thing progresses. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So folks listening out there, if you just kind of stumbled onto us, this is the first time hearing about us, head on over to grouphomeriches.com. Sign up for the free training material. If this sounds like the perfect business for you, you want to get rocking and rolling, you're serious about it, check our products out. We have a ton of, you know, we offer coaching, website development, and of course the gold course, our flagship program, where we really do try to, we try to pack that thing with everything that you need and like to keep it affordable for everybody out there. And um, if you're on the fence, just reach out to us. We're happy to answer any questions that you got, you know, on the basics of the business model or anything like that. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to hearing many more success stories like Todd's. Awesome. Um, Todd, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Likewise, Brandon. Thank you. All right, man. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.